The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Don't feel like you're learning everything or that you need to learn everything, right? Um, Next week, we'll be talking about actions that support joy in our practice. And the week after is about sustaining practice with wise effort. So that's just the map of what we'll cover. Um, And before, we'll do just a short sit, just literally a very short little settling sit. But before we do that, I would like to respond to you all and your your interests. So it would be helpful for me to know, you know, of these three topics for tonight, mindfulness, on and off the cushion, concentration, and the five hindrances. I'd love to know um, if you could choose, you know, your, your top two. Um, maybe that would be, or, you know, I'd like to know your rank order preference in detail, but of course I can't get that. So um, who here is like most interested in mindfulness on and off the cushion? Okay. Who, who here is most interested in concentration? Okay. And who here is most interested in the five hindrances? Okay. Well, we'll just have to do a tour of all of them. And just know that we're, we'll touch lightly on them. And, and then another question uh, for our, all of you is, um, what's more important to you? Um, a small group discussion where you get to talk to your fellow Sangha members. Um, the question tonight will be ab- about these three things and where you would like to focus, what you might like to try based on what you would he- you'd heard and a chance to hear other people. So that would be the small group breakout. And the guided meditation would be a practice that's designed specifically for working with hindrances. So... Um, who is more interested in the breakout group time? Who's more interested in the guided meditation? Okay. Breakout group? Yeah. Breakout group more interested? Great. Okay. Guided meditation on hindrances? A little bit more. Okay. So I'll try and... I'll just... We'll still do breakout groups. I'll just try and um, maybe make them a little bit shorter. So we have a little bit more time with a guided meditation. Great. Okay, let's settle. Let's find our bodies. We're just like a three-minute little practice here. Just finding some deeper breaths. Maybe helping the mind orient to being in the body in this present moment in this room with these people, you know, right here. Work is done, hopefully. At least it is now. (laughs) Just helping yourself take that in. That you, you chose to be here, and you get to just be here with your whole body. So with that in mind, breathing a few deeper breaths, 
inviting yourself to give yourself permission to just be for two more minutes, just to be here. Let everything settle and catch up and kind of be in the same place at the same time. just take a moment to notice what changed, what's different from just that three minutes of sitting, just to acknowledge for yourself. If anything settled, maybe something became more pronounced, but just acknowledging the impact of the practice for yourself. So, is somebody willing to be a microphone delivery person? Me too. Great. So, you go ahead and get that microphone if you don't mind. And I want to start um, actually by talking about the five hindrances. And um, the first, the, the way I want to cultivate, see how much you guys are aware of these things already, is what, what happens that gets in the way of your practice? What do you notice that impacts your ability to practice mindfulness and to sit on a cushion? You know, you might think about that because uh, there's all of life. But if we're maybe you start by thinking about when I sit, try and sit down and meditate, what happens that makes it hard? All right. Anybody have an answer? Meet are great. Agitation. Agitation. Can you describe that at all? It's a lot of uh, spinning thoughts. A lot of spinning in the mind. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anybody else? Anything besides agitation? Great. Caroline? I'll just say it simply like emotions. Mm-hmm. 
uh-huh. kind of agitation, but not just just the emo- strong emotions. Yeah. Okay, great. What else? Great, Ben. What's next? You start thinking, what's next? Yeah. You start planning, kind Always. of? Yeah. Okay, great. What else makes it hard to sit down and meditate? So we've heard agitation in the mind. We've heard strong emotions. We've heard a mind that's thinking, what next? What do I need to do next? Um, I think distraction, boredom. Boredom, okay. Boredom and uh, like seeking distraction, that happens. Okay. And like bodily discomfort. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, great. You want to... <laughs> um, there's so much to do so that I can be enough. <laughs> mm, okay. So much to do. So you, is it like your mind gets involved in planning or thinking? Um, yeah, there's this constant sense that um, I need to be doing all these things. Okay. Okay, great. Anybody else? Anything else? Yes, back here. Um, I feel like there's a bit of resistance. Resistance. Yeah. Okay, great. Tracy, anything for you that you notice? So I start noticing tightnesses in my neck and my shoulders, mm. and my body starts talking to me mm-hmm. when I choose to listen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anybody fall asleep? Get sleepy? Ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, so I'll list, I'll name the five hindrances for you, and you listen for, you know, try and pick one of them or two of them that feel like they fit with what you described, okay? And we'll see if it works. But So uh, they're li- typically listed as um, desire, like wanting, right? Um, lust, you know, the whole, the whole stream of wanting, um, craving kind of thing. Aversion, not liking, not wanting. Don't like this. Get this away from me. Make this stop. Um, restlessness and worry. So um, that's there's two components. The bodily, agitation, can't settle, and the mental, right? And... Um, Sloth and torpor, which is in the body, tiredness, you know, can't stay awake, can't stay attentive. In the mind, drifty, hazy, sleepy. And the fifth is doubt. Am I doing it right? Should I do this? Should I do a different practice? Should I be doing it like this? Should I be doing it like that? Or, or, why am I even doing this? What's the point? Kind of, you know, it could be a big doubt about the practice. It could be a doubt about my capacity. I'm, I can't do this. My mind won't let me do this. I have ADHD. There's no way I can do this, you know, like, or, you know, I'm just a no good whatever. So, but, but all of those are connected that I just, to doubt. 
So do you, the things that come up for you fit within those categories? Yeah, the mind that gets busy planning, Ben, is probably a restless mind, right? And maybe there's two things, the desire, the greed, the wanting, right? That also can fuel, I, I need to do this, I need to do that, right? Um, so it can be that you have more than one hindrance happening at one time. So you're all normal. You have normal minds, normal problems. You, the same problems have been experienced by meditators uh, since the Buddha taught and probably long before. So these are um, energies that happen in the mind and they are really helpful things to learn how to work with and to recognize, right? To start to say, okay, oh, this is the hindrance of restlessness and worry. Oh, you know, sort of like, you know, if you're doing cognitive behavioral therapy, this is my cognitive distortion of the day, right? Um, It's uh, also helpful because if we know we have tendencies, um, we can try and do things to balance. For example, if we know we tend to be restless and worried and and unable to sit, we might think about walking or doing yoga before we meditate. We might think about a a transition between being busy, 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 and when when we sit. We might also think about the time of day we're sitting. So some people, it's much easier to sit in the morning before they've fully launched in their day. So uh, it's good to start to know a little bit about when, the, what hindrances show up for you more than others, and just to start recognizing them. And as I mentioned, I'll do a guided meditation later. But um, it's nice to just sort of start letting these things kind of, um, you know, be curious about them and how they, they show up for you. So greed, desire... Lust, aversion, hatred, not liking. Those are two different ones, right? Polar opposites. One thing to look at in your body is if there's leaning forward or leaning back. It's a very visceral thing that starts to happen with aversion and desire. So, for example, I'll just, na- I'll just say a few words. Just just close your eyes and tune in and notice your body. Ice cream. Dogs. Driving fast. Going to a party with lots and lots of people. Being alone. Milk. Water. The color purple. The color orange. A rainy day. A warm, sunny day. 
a really hot day. Okay. What did you notice in your body? Could you feel a sense of shifting when you heard something you like? How did you feel that in your bodies? What did you notice? Where's the mic again? Anybody willing to say a word or two? Great. Well, when you said um, ice cream, I was I immediately leaned into it. But then you said some. I've, there were a couple of like an extremely hot day, like the the heat wave from last week, and I was just like, oh no. So yeah, definitely, it's just instant. So yeah, it's like just your body knows, right? Your body knows. So we can also recognize if we're liking or not liking by tuning into our body. Sometimes our body can tell us before we can know mentally. Thank you. Anybody want to say any, anything different? Do they notice it in a different way? It can manifest differently. I can sense um, a hot day or a big party. My body tenses up. Tenses up. And the rain and being by myself. I felt like Relaxes. So great. In, in my body, I felt. And sp- great. Corey. Uh, I felt changes in temperature, like slight warmth or mm-hmm. slight cold, mm-hmm. which was interesting. That's great, great. Because yes, right? You, we all know, right? We can get hot or have, you know, when we think about certain things. This is great. Anything else? Anyone wants to share? Ben. Actually, I felt all of them were nice. Ah, you, you liked it all. I liked it all. I mean, in this right context. Yeah. Okay, that's great. Who else liked them all? Anybody else? No. <laughs> well, Ben, you're a liker. That's nice. Yeah. All right, so maybe turn the mic off for a second. Thank you, Mitra, so much for your help. Um. Okay, so that's like our brief tour of the five hindrances, right? And um, like I said, we'll come back to that um, later when we do the guided meditation. Um, so now let's let's talk about um, let's talk about mindfulness. Um, I think I'll just start by uh, sharing a couple of quotes. So, first of all. There really isn't anything you can do and there isn't anywhere you can go that mindfulness won't support you. It's, it's, it's applicable everywhere. And when the Buddha teaches mindfulness, he talks about being mindful, walking forward, walking backwards, you know, standing up, sitting down, laying down. Every posture you can imagine, eating, going to the bathroom, mindfulness everywhere all the time. So it's something that we can practice all the time. Um, Here's a quote by Anne Cushman. If I view everyday chores as tasks to rush through on the way to something more important, they become a crushing waste of time. So I'll reread that again. If I view everyday chores as tasks to rush through on the way to something more important, 
they become a crushing waste of time. But from the perspective of Buddhist teaching, each of these activities is a golden moment, an opportunity for full awakening. There are awakening poems of um, monks and nuns who woke up doing... One uh, patachara was pouring water. It was just something like that. Somebody else, it was turning a light on and off. So awakening doesn't have to happen, you know, with your eyes closed, sitting still. It can happen in the midst of your everything. Another um, quote I'll share is by Sayadaw U um, Jataka. When the mind is not mindful, it feels like a homeless person, very insecure, very unhappy. When you're mindful, you feel really at home. So mindfulness is my home. When you are mindful, you are at home. When you are not mindful, you are on the road to nowhere. Get in touch with the spiritual part of yourself, the beautiful part of yourself. Be mindful, he says. So when the mind is not mindful, it feels like a homeless person, very insecure, very unhappy. When you're mindful, you feel really at home. So mindfulness is my home. I like that this one got a chuckle too. When you're not mindful, you're on the road to going nowhere, right? So there's that automatic pilot that happens in our brains when we aren't mindful, where we just start to eat, do, go. We're driving. We're not really paying attention. We're putting things down. We're forgetting them. We're leaving our keys, our credit cards. We're, you know, yeah, doing things that we're not mindful of. Right? We just sort of get busy doing, consuming often too. Clicking on the internet, <laughs> getting lost in that. So, so mindfulness is, uh, it's actually kind of, a, I like one of the ways Gil talks about it, is a collection. It's like a, a number of different qualities that we're cultivating. And, and it's like together, when they're all mutually working, they provide, you know, um, what I like to think of as the raft. The raft that helps us stay afloat and not lost, right? So uh, one of the classic definitions is mindfulness is paying attention on purpose in the present moment. So we can't be mindful in the past or in the future. We can only be pet present, mindful here and now. And it's um, we can be mindful that we're thinking, but it's pretty hard to stay mindful of thinking without getting lost in thought. But it is possible to be aware that we're thinking as we're thinking. So that's the thing, as we're doing it. Mindful of breathing as we're breathing aware on purpose intentionally that okay I'm breathing in and I know I'm breathing out and I'm feeling it it's a, it's a, a, an experience it's not conceptual so mindfulness is this 
awareness and connection to what's happening in the present moment. The other part of it is with, you know, um, our attitude matters. So we want to cultivate an attitude that is, often the word is kind. It can be also allowing or open. So if we're doing this, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention, is that kindness? Is that, you know, is that has its, that would be a hindrance that we're adding to the mindfulness, right? An aversion, a, a, you know, critis, critical mind. So the, that that is another piece that we need to start to learn to tune into is, Okay, I know I'm aware, but how am I being aware? What's my relationship to what's going on? We're good? Okay. So practicing mindfulness helps us grow wisdom. We actually get grow the kind of wisdom the Buddha talks about. It's a wisdom of learning to discern and see what's happening with clarity. So it's not a a book wisdom. It's an applied wisdom. It's the wisdom that starts to learn. We learn and it grows inside of us. And it's there to help us. And it's akin to the wisdom in our body that knows a hot stove is hot. Take my hand away. It's that kind of wisdom that helps guide us through life. Um, It helps us meet our experiences without reactivity. We can choose to respond versus react. So it helps us kind of slow things down, take pauses, gives a, a little bit of space between ourselves and what's coming up and what we're meeting. And this ability to meet our experience without being reactive to it actually allows mindfulness to go deeper and deeper. Deeper and deeper into seeing more and more deeply the true nature of what's happening. This is where I think I'll just sort of bridge and then we can circle back to concentration. So building our mindfulness, moment-to-moment mindfulness, will help us with concentration practice. It will help us um, develop a mind that is more calm, more centered, more intimate with our experience. Concentration... That word, I think, um, is a difficult word for many of us because when you think about concentrating, I have to concentrate. There's a, a contraction that we often think about. Like, I have, to look, I have to work really hard, yeah? But if we engage with mindfulness or meditation in that kind of way, what happens? Anybody have an experience... If you try really hard, Ben? No, no, if you, if you, oh. If you 
that's describing concentration. I'll ask you to say it again for the the. Yeah, I mean, once uh, up here, up here. Sorry, once you're present. Yeah. And you calm, and you see something in its totality. It's just like, just like breathing. This flow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as we establish mindfulness. Right. Right then, the concentration begins to come, and that is how one of the ways I like to describe concentration um, is relaxed. It is connected. It is with this feeling of flow. And um, there's different kinds of concentration. There's concentration that is a moment by moment kind of practice. And then there's a concentration that has to do with what they often will say is absorption. Absorption like um, everything. With concentration, there's a quality of wholeness. So we're not trying to get rid of anything. It's like, instead, it's like, say, we're, we're focused on the breath. It's, it's more like, oh, the breath just gets closer and closer. It just like, and it gets, it's almost like in the mind, it, it, it starts to fill up the mind because the, the mind is so interested in the breath that it's like, you know, what we pay attention to gets bigger, right? Does that make sense? We, we pay attention to, it's like a magnifying glass for our experience. But with this it's very relaxed way of concentration, that it's just this natural way that the mind just becomes deeply intimate and connected with the experience of breathing, for example. So you might your mind just gets maybe filled with the experience of breathing and as you're feeling it in your body. So there's not a lot of excessive thinking and other things going on in this kind of in this kind of concentration practice. Yeah, Mitra, go ahead, just use the mic, please. So are we mostly talking about concentration on the cushion, not, I mean, and mindfulness on the cushion? Yeah, that would be... As a practice. That, the, what this last part would be more on the cushion, yes. It can happen. You can have momentary concentration like that sometimes when you're on a retreat, and it, it can happen when you're out doing things, but it's it's uh, you're going to have really been slowed down already. But you can also have a, another kind of like a, just a very crystal clear connection awareness with the concentration that's like tracking very carefully. You can see things as they're coming up. They can see with activity in the mind. You know, you can see the impulse to do something before you do it. You know, it's like you can kind of see things that you normally wouldn't be noticing. And that would be more like you could do that. And in the garden, you could watch that. You know, in their kitchen, doing the dishes, you could see that. Yeah. Any other um, questions about concentration or mindfulness? Can you speak into the microphone? Because there's people that can't can't hear you. 
I think if you try to force yourself to concentrate, then it becomes more tiring. Yes. And you get tired faster. Absolutely. So if, we're, if we put too much effort, that was sort of where I was asking a long time ago, what happens if you try too hard? Like the, the concentration that we think of when we're trying. If we bring that into meditation, we do. We get exhausted. And the way that I think about it is I get kind of brittle. You know, I just, it's like, it's just too rigid. It's too tense. And, um, you know, the, the body gets uncomfortable and the mind starts to fall apart. Yeah, go ahead. I guess on the topic of being tired or being wary, I feel like I've noticed that as I'm more mindful, it actually tires me out, not because I'm trying, but it feels like seeing the patterns of repetition can kind of wear me out. Yeah, so that can be the, you know, but the thing to notice is, is being aware of it what makes you tired, or is it your reaction to what you're seeing that makes you tired? Does that make sense? So if I have aversion to what I'm noticing, it makes it, more exhausting to notice. If I am judging myself because I think I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing, it's going to make it harder. So part of it is to be curious um, and notice how am I feeling about what I'm observing and see if there's any hindrance in there. And then if, it's, if there's no hindrances, you just feel like your mind's getting tired, maybe you could just, sometimes once we start to establish mindfulness and we've got a good flow, we actually don't have to work as, even as hard as we were. We might need to just sort of, okay, what if I try 10% less, 20% less? Sometimes we need to do 20% more, 30% more, right? But adjusting the effort that we're applying might be indicated. Is that anything else about what you said? I feel like maybe in addition, part of it is as you kind of are mindful of emotions and kind of open up to it more, maybe there's also like a bit of fatigue from Mm -hmm. kind of just letting it flow more. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Great point. Um. So maybe I'll shift to just talking about a few things that are kind of helpful for growing mindfulness because mindfulness will support, you know, the concentration too, right? So one is being mindful of our body. Our bodies, right, are always, everything we experience through the body is something that's happening right here. So using our senses and staying connected to what's happening in our body is a great gateway back to the present moment. And, and so building our awareness of our body as we move around, um, having a practice of every time you get up and walk somewhere to noticing your feet or maybe your chest and your breathing, and you start to build a pattern of standing, of walking, of sitting with mindfulness um, that, that helps you It helps you. It just helps you stay with the more continuity of the mindfulness. And um, if you ever are struggling to try and get 
out of a lot of heavy thinking. It is, you know, look, th- use your senses. Sight, sound, touch, smell, taste. These are like great doorways into the present moment. And um, so orienting toward touching, what it feels like, coolness, you know, warmth, um, you know, if you're doing the dishes, starting to notice the smell of the dish soap, you know, the fill of the warm water, helping yourself come more fully into the present moment through the senses. So another thing is to start to notice choice. By being mindful, you start to grow your capacity to make choices. So it can be kind of fun to start to sort of say, okay, if I'm mindful here, what might my choices be? Just kind of drop in the question. If I could choose this, fine, but if I was, wasn't going to choose this, what would I choose? What else could I choose? Putting my right shoe in first or my left shoe on first, you know, just simple things or standing up, sitting down, going for a walk, not going for a walk, just just opening the mind up a little bit and, and emphasizing how mindfulness supports choice. Um, another helpful way to start to build this non-reactivity is to look for opportunities in your life where you have some mild discomfort, any kind, but mild. So it could be that, you know, just sitting in your postures right now, you know, if you start to feel a little bit uncomfortable, just hang out with it just just a moment longer than you normally would before you move or, you know, do something. Just Just practice lingering a little longer with discomfort, an itch, you know, adjusting. And notice what happens if you can bring like that mindful attitude of allowing or accepting instead of the aversion of not liking, not wanting, right? Just being a little bit curious. Now, I'm not asking you to hurt yourselves, okay, at all. This is just like playing with your edges, growing your edges, being with something that's a little bit unpleasant, a little bit longer, and learning about about that for yourself. We, we grow a very quick habitual response to unpleasant experiences. Just, and, you know, we've just, through our lives, we just have grown to, like, do things to make ourselves feel better all the time. But some of it is unneeded, unnecessary, and it's fueling a kind of a habitual pattern of just moving away, right? Another way to grow mindfulness in your daily life is to choose an activity that you do every day, like um, brushing your teeth, making your bed, making your coffee, and make it a habit to do that activity very mindfully, really going you know, taking it in with all of your senses. And, and then you can grow your, your habits. You know, you start with one, work on it for a while. When you feel like it's pretty natural, then maybe you look for a second one that you add. 
And you just kind of keep growing and building. It's also nice to practice mindfulness in nature. Um, You know, the sounds outside can be very helpful for staying present. And it can be interesting to, um, if Kirsten was here, she would talk about this because she's a, a big nature person. And um, one of the things she said is she really likes to notice her impact on you know, nature itself, too. So how are the squirrels responding to your presence? What are the ants doing in response to you? Like really kind of tuning in to how you're coming into an environment and impacting the creatures and the life in that environment. So that's another way to tune in to the present moment. Um, another thing that can be fun um, to support kind of building our practice is having a meditation buddy. And it might just be that you have somebody who you text and you say, hey, I'm sitting now, want to join me? Or maybe you just say, sitting now, and they just know. Or maybe you have somebody who likes to sit with you. So there's just a whole variety of ways to, to share and support each other's practice. Yeah. Okay. So let's, um, let's, let's have a little small breakout discussion. Maybe, um, you know, three or four people together. Um, so you can just kind of cluster yourselves. And um, I just want you to talk about, um, well, why don't you go ahead and move first, and I'll give you your instructions. Guided meditation, and then we'll have a chance to debrief both the group and the, um, the guided meditation before we end. Okay? So I'm going to um, share a practice. It's uh, an acronym, like usual. We have acronyms for things to help us remember. This acronym is BELLA, as in beautiful. So the first thing that we want to do is, in your meditation, just in your practice right now, being mindful, eyes open or closed, whatever works, We'll practice with a hindrance. So just noticing if there's a hindrance present already. So greed or desire, aversion, hatred, restlessness in the body, worry in the mind. Sloth, I think it's sloth like in a sloth, a sloth animal, very body slothful and torpor and the mind is just no energy or doubt so just being with and if it's not present now maybe thinking about one that comes up for you that's not going to overwhelm you to pay attention to So when a hindrance comes up, the most useful thing we can do first is to let it be, to learn, open up around it, and notice how it manifests. It doesn't mean giving in to it. 
doesn't mean letting it dictate what you do, but it means not acting or reacting to it. Just training in being present for this experience without being in conflict with it, giving the hindrance some room, some space. The E in Bella is examine. So freedom requires us to have wisdom. Being able to work with a hindrance requires us to understand the hindrance. So getting to know it, examining it, to understand it to recognize the way it manifests, its components, the physical component of the hindrance, how it feels in the body, the energetic component, the emotional, and the cognitive the way it affects how we perceive, how we think, what we think. It also has motivational aspects to it, motivating us to do something. Getting to know physically, energetically, emotionally, cognitively, motivational. When you're ready, when you feel like you've gotten to know it as much as you can in the moment, the next part of Bella is the L, to lessen, to lessen the impact of the hindrance. And really that is 
happens by relaxing. Relaxing the mind and the body sort of starts to soften the intensity of it. Maybe directing your awareness toward the breathing, if that is a soothing, relaxing experience for you. If not that, is there some part of your body that feels really neutral? And can you just pay careful attention to that neutral part of your body? The second L is to let go. You know, when when it's not serving us, when we can't really benefit from being with it anymore, it can be time to say, okay, enough for now. And how do we let go? Maybe we need to recognize that there's a belief that's unhelpful, that's fueling it. So can we shift our belief, our view? Maybe we have a strong sense of I am this and maybe we need to practice with non-identification. It's just a feeling, it's just a thought, it's not who I am. Maybe it's already softened so much with the relaxing that that's all we need to do. It's already letting go. It's happening. Maybe we recognize that there's a habit we have in our daily life that fuels this hindrance. A way that we're unconscious and doing something over and over again that fuels this con- this this hindrance and we see that so we feel you know maybe i can try to do this instead of that and if it's really strong you might need to get up and go for walking meditation or do loving-kindness. The A in Bella, the last part of the practice, is appreciate. So just in the course of this short practice, was there wisdom that grew, insight that came, a lessening, a change in your relationship with the hindrance? Was there anything in here that you can appreciate? Small is fine. Appreciating whatever is skillful and supportive is very helpful. 
might even just be, I really appreciate that I'm trying. Really appreciate that I sat here with this as best I could. And that is enough to appreciate. I'm going to allow five minutes of silence for practice in whatever way feels supportive to you. You can continue with the Bella practice, or you might choose an anchor for your awareness, like breathing or sound or sensation. And just see if you can rest a little bit with being not having to do. Being with. I'll offer one other thing, which is if you're finding it difficult to settle the mind, because we've just been looking at a hindrance, a concentration practice could be to count your breaths. So as you breathe in, knowing you're breathing in, one, and then you exhale, Breathing in, two, and exhale, up to, up to ten. And then at ten, you let go and you start at one again. And if you get lost, just start at one again. Very easy, no problem. So that's a concentration practice, a practice that can help settle the mind. If you want to use that now, please feel free.
And again, just checking in, noticing the mind, noticing the body, just noticing if there's any desire, any aversion, any sloth or torpor, any restlessness or worry, or any doubt. And maybe just bow to yourself for seeing, seeing into your experience in this way. All right, Mitra, you ready for the microphone duty? And um, Sage, I don't know if you can see, I don't know, you know, if there's any YouTube questions or chat questions. So, okay. Okay, great. All right, so what was that like for you, that guided practice? Corey, right behind you, Mitra. Right, right, turn, turn, there you go. Um, well, I noticed that during the examination portion, um, I, I was working with, uh, restlessness and I noticed, uh, uh, you know, faster heartbeat or some tension, things in my mind were, um, you know, I was, I was thinking, bouncing around and during that examination, I, uh, noticed also something else there that there was energy, there mm-hmm. was playfulness, there was nice. excitement, and um, so I took that as sort of like it, it put a different perspective on on it that not to be pushing it away or want it, it was more like being with it, and then that allowed it to kind of dissolve a little bit. Beautiful. Beautiful, Corey. Thank you. I too, I too was um, during the examination portion. I realized the thing that I usually struggle with is restlessness, and then I get, and I'm very fussy. And then I realized, oh, I think it's because I'm very anxious, like always anxious like as a person that's who i am and i'm like oh am i uh, all the questions like am i doing this right is this okay wait now i know i'm thinking and so and then all those things started popping in but then i'm like but i'm like okay um this is i tried to follow the bella acronym but that last part the a appreciation i'm like well i appreciate the fact that I'm restless because it brought me to meditate because I want to. Oh, nice. <laughs> so it's like came full circle. So, yes. Thank you.
Oh, I'll, um, oh good, Tracy, go ahead, yeah. Please. I could not stop thinking about a recipe that I read earlier today. <laughs> <laughs> I think I must be very hungry. Um, I just kept seeing it in my head over and over again. And so I said, okay, there you are. Let's bake this recipe. <laughs> so I imagined myself actually making it's turkey sweet potato chili. Sounds wonderful, um, but I, you know, I I couldn't make it behave itself. This uh-huh. recipe that kept wanting to play in my head. So I said, okay, well, let's just make this recipe. And mm-hmm. I, you know, watched myself making it, and that's almost a meditation in itself. Is you know, preparing the food. Um, I could almost smell it cooking. So rather than trying to push it away, uh-huh. I, I decided just to go with it, mm-hmm. and uh, worked out pretty well for me, I think. <laughs> but now I want to go home and make the chili for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's something um, really important about one thing you described. Is it sounds like there was a lot of like trying to make it go away in the beginning. That created a lot of tension and more stress. Yeah. And so this kind of giving in to it or giving it some space. Now, it's a very delicate thing to do, right? Because we need to stay mindful of of thinking is happening and uh, be aware that we're imagining and all of that. But um, it sounds like it was helpful for the tension to recede, but also... The desire is growing, so just noticing that too, right? Mm-hmm. So that there's, there's, it, in a way, maybe it helped um, not grow aversion, but maybe it also did spark a little more desire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, does that feel right? Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Anybody else uh, have any reflections or observations to share? This is so. Wonderful to hear from you all. Does the Bella practice feel, it sounds like you, you know, found it useful? It's actually not in your handout, so um, do you want me to send it to you in writing, the Bella practice? Yeah, I can do that. Okay. Yeah, usually, mostly I just teach it when I'm teaching the five hindrances. Yeah, yes? What is the B again? B, let it be. Oh. Yeah. B-E-L-L-A. So, B, examine, um, let lesson, let go, and appreciate. Yes, Mitra? Um I was pretty calm and I was able to follow the better for something imaginary. Yeah. But, and then when you did the concentration, the counting, the breath, I started doing that and all of a sudden something happens in my brain that it just starts a thought and it, I can't stop it. So I get to that point 
and I completely am disabled. I, I don't mm. know what to do. Mm. And I think I almost always get there. That's called anxiety. I don't know what that's called. Okay. And I just don't know. I mean, there's nothing that I can do to... Did you... That would be a great time to kind of... Um, well, see if Bella works. So you kind of mm. um, just stop and be with what's happening. So, you know, you're trying to count and you're counting and then all of a sudden your mind starts thinking, right? And it's... You can't let go of the thought, right? So... Um, it sounds like you're not sure, you know, maybe just paying attention to your body. If you think about the thinking and how it felt, was your body leaning forward, leaning back, you know? I just get very frustrated and very, um, aggressive towards the thinking. So that's aversion. Aversive towards the thinking itself. That's right. So then you would practice with noticing the aversion. So instead of staying focused on the thinking, Mm -hmm. you go, oh, look at the aversion. Oh, there's not liking the thinking. There's a lot of anger, frustration about... And so what does that feel like? So So you be with that aversion first... Yeah. So feeling that just, oh, this is aversion. feels pretty awful. I don't know. How long <laughs> can I stay with that? Yeah. So you be with it as long as it feels right. Examine it. Just sort of. So again, you're like noticing this is aversion, not, not getting caught and being mad at your thoughts for thinking, but paying attention to that energetic quality of the, the hindrance. Mm. So, you know, you it went and with aversion and some other feelings it's hard to stay with them very long right so one thing is um our awareness can get kind of tight and it can be helpful to kind of invite it to open up a little bit how um literally you might take your hands and it, if this is your head thinking right now just go ahead and feel the exaggeration of it let your hands hold here yeah and then literally imagine sitting back, relaxing, and opening up. Just right, and you feel it. You, yeah. I see it in you yeah. right there. Nice. Yeah. So literally just helping yourself physically in this way, what we do with our body, our mind can follow sometimes. Um, so then the um, letting go, you know, like the lessening, Mm-hmm. And you've already lessened when you've done this. Mm-hmm. So just, oh, look, it's lessening. Okay. And the letting go is like, okay, well, maybe I need to let go of wanting to count or wanting my mind not to think. You know, that's feeding the aversion. So let me let go of that practice. Let me let go of trying to make myself stop thinking. And... um and then we, even if, you know, everything isn't the way we want it to be, can we appreciate, can we appreciate, oh, it shifted a bit. Oh, I got to see, I got to see the hindrance and I got to practice with it in a little different way. And can I appreciate that? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. 
I'll read you a, a little quote and then we'll see if there's any more reflections to share. Um, what we're doing here tonight is growing our wisdom. Yeah? You feel a little wiser? Yeah. And so we, when we grow that wisdom and we practice and we really turn toward our experience in this way, we grow our faith. We're told a teaching, we practice with the teaching, we see how it works, we need to notice our own process. So we can trust the teaching. We have a little more faith in the teaching because, oh yeah, I see this, right? We might grow faith in the teaching, the Dharma, the Buddha, the teacher, or the Sangha. Like what we're doing with each other here is supporting each other, right? Doing this by yourself at home, not so easy. But hearing other people share is hugely supportive. So these are the the gems that the Buddha really emphasized, this Dharma, the teacher, and the Sangha. The Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha. And so we can grow our faith. So noticing, I have a little more confidence. I have a little more faith. This might really help. There's something here. This is a precious thing to take care of. It helps us when we have doubt or the other hindrances come up. Having a moment like you described, Corey, you, Anne Rose, you know, Mitra, even just in that moment, you know, Tracy, all of you, everybody who shared, you have this moment, you can be like, okay, oh yeah, things can shift. I know how to shift. Oh, they did it. I can probably do it. (laughs) The Buddha did it. Okay, right? This is very important. Very important treasure for us to grow in ourselves. It will support us in our efforts to keep sitting back down on the cushion, to keep coming back to the Sangha, to keep listening to the Dharma. So I want... I want to invite you to notice and and share, if you're willing to share, a moment where you felt like you gained some faith or confidence tonight. If you're willing to share as part of honoring that and, and sharing it with others, that would be really beautiful. So is anybody willing to talk about that? Name something. Um, so my aversion was, uh, desire and, um, examining that, I tried to imagine what, what would it be like if I have these thing, this thing that I think I want. Uh Uh-huh. And... Realizing that if I had that thing, I would still be sitting right here and meditating. And so it really didn't matter mm. if I have or have not. Mm. So um, 
It sounds like that that yeah. was a pretty significant reflection. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was very, very helpful. Wow. That's great. That's great. So something to remember, right? Beautiful. Thank you, Caroline. Anybody else grow a little bit of faith or confidence tonight that you're willing to share? So I was actually, uh, I had a new resistance today, which I normally don't have, which is aversion, which because I, uh, when we started the whole Bella practice, what I kind of found myself thinking about some, um, just like some uncomfortable experiences, and I, what I wanted was not to think about it. Um, but um, as I explored more of it, like actually I realized more truths Mm-hmm. about you know what that experience is and uh, also kind of um, I don't know if this will last or not but this I had like a new uh, almost like a shift in my mind because I realized that the discomfort that comes from feeling a sense of loss is I mean it's um the the shift essentially for me at least in the end which was with the appreciate was that uh oh okay i actually found myself appreciating the fact that i even had an experience that is worth losing like even that Aww. is a grateful um mm. i mean even that's something to be grateful for so i think mm. i don't know if i like be able to keep that sh- maybe that's something that you know is worth practicing as well but uh, that's not how I think on a daily basis. Like normally, I'm just like obsessed with my loss, uh, mm. rather than um, mm. with um, the appreciating you yeah. had the experience. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Thank you. Wow. Oh, sangha! Yay, sangha! <laughs> I appreciate your wisdom, your sharing. Your beautiful hearts. Is there anyone else that wants to share before we we have one more one more, or we can just do a closing meditation? Good, Mitra can come sit down, relax. Thank you, Mitra. So, just noticing how you're feeling now. A sense of uh, appreciation, or warmth, connection. For showing up, for others who did and were willing to share. It's a gift. Thank you. May this practice be of benefit for you. May you notice the benefit and appreciate the benefit. May you share that benefit directly and indirectly with others. 
May the benefit of our practice together benefit all beings everywhere. Thank you. That's a wrap. <laughs>